Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Catacol, 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 Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Paco Polit, a delighted Paco Polit, I assume, because we've just heard from Garena Cope and Garena Ser after Spain crowned themselves world champions again 13 years after they did for the first time in the men's. The women came out on top, they beat England 1-0. Paco, just how are you doing? Well, very happy, obviously, because uh, it's been a long time without uh, celebrating uh, um, a world championship. As you said, it's been 13 years since that Iniesta goal in the final against the Netherlands. And remember, uh, it's been 11 years since the last uh, official uh, title for uh, Spain, leaving aside obviously the League of Nations and, and so on uh, but remember that 2012 uh, European Cup which was also conquered by the Spaniards but in this case obviously it's the first time, the first star for the women national team and and I think that the way it has been conquered has been, you know, in spectacular fashion. I think that overall regarding the, the way Spain uh, deserved the win I think that nobody can can question that because uh, overall, with that you know exception of the game against Japan, where Spain weren't just up to par and they lost three 0 against the the Japanese, I think that in the rest of the of the games and also in the in the knockout rounds, uh, Spain ha have been superior to the opposition and they were better in the final uh, than than England. <laughs> Unfortunately for our English uh, listeners, which are plenty. Yes, no, this might not be the most pleasant first part of the show for them, but uh, yeah. but the, you have to give credit to the Spanish side because it has come through a lot of adversity. I mean, 2019, they were striking just for kind of professionalism and, and for being paid, basically, and being able to kind of train as they, as they should have been able to. Obviously, we had the 15, which is something that's been covered pretty extensively, uh, I mean, on the website previously, on Substack and, and 
and yeah i mean this is a side that's been kind of not cobbled together but it's it's been through a lot hasn't it Paco what's kind of your take on that because obviously there is plenty to get into and then we will move on to kind of the more celebratory side of this which is uh, very much the the larger part that we want to focus on well obviously I think that uh, we should say uh, first up that um, you know we almost expected this to happen um, the celebrations were, you know, almost very short-lived because immediately after the, the win, uh, controversy once again spurned uh, regarding uh, Luis Rubiales, the, the, the president of the, of the Spanish Federation, also obviously uh, involving uh, Jorge Villa, which is the manager who has, you know, strengthened his, his position at the helm after this win, even though his, his role in the, in the national team has... Uh, you know, being subject of, of uh, plenty of hot takes and controversy, as you said earlier, with that open um, open enmity and, and yeah, I, I would say that, that, that trouble has been broiling for for quite a while uh, with that open conflict between uh, Bilda and the uh, and the thirteen players, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. You know, regarding uh, some some of the accounts, uh, some of them included Alexia, others didn't. And ultimately, the the bottom line is that at one point uh, a few months ago, uh, more than a dozen international players for Spain, uh, you know, demanded change to happen uh, in a number of ways. You know, uh, the main issue here is that uh, the real motivations behind all of, all this conflict haven't really been made clear by the people involved in them. You know, the the, um, the, the players them, themselves haven't really been clear about what they were demanding from the Spanish Federation that ultimately has uh, strengthened Bilda's position because he has been much more open about this and he has been, you know, speaking about this this open conflict in the in the press conferences. Uh, overall, the the bottom line is that the, there wasn't really a good relationship between the the players and the manager, and that has been happening for quite a while. And all these, you know, uh, incidents uh, taking place at the end of 2022 helped Bilda to smooth in a transition of new blood, new players uh, from other teams, uh, not Barca-related, because one of the common denominators is that most of the uh, rebellious players were uh, playing for, for Barca Femenino. And uh, this allowed to, you know, level and balance the, the groups of power inside that locker room. And it's just, you know, it's like water and, and oil. Things that are not going to blend, they are not going to gel, they are not going to mix. Never, and I think that this this issue is not going to be solved, even after winning the World Cup. So overall, I think that uh, the the end of the road for this tournament has arrived, and Spain are champions, obviously, and happiness should uh, ensue for all Spanish football and all Spanish sport. But this uh, problem is not going to go away, and there is going to be. The day after tomorrow, you know, tomorrow we're going to celebrate, but the day after tomorrow, this problem will eventually come back and maybe it will come back in full force once again. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get that out of the way. I mean, Bilda was booed before the match started. Yep. After the match, uh, the Twitter on the Spanish Twitter account for the Selección Femenina, they said Bilda, Bilda in, in. Yeah. <laughs> which was a very, uh, yeah, kind of controversial tweet yeah. to, to put it out was right like after a, that. A, an official reply to all of the Bilda outs that they have been receiving for almost, I would say, nine, ten months since... Uh, you know, uh, the 15 players or the 13 players uh, made public their own manifest uh, on their own Twitter feeds. Yeah, it should be said there's another story which kind of has been breaking. It's Luis Rubiales, the president of the RFEF, who um, kissed Jenny Arnamoto on the lips when, during the celebrations, which yeah. was, did not go down well. It should be said Jenny Arnamoto has come out and said since that people shouldn't pay too much attention yeah, to it. She, said, she tried to cool down all of the, you know, all of the hot takes. But yeah, ultimately, you can be very happy about some, something. You can be ecstatic about something, but you always, always need to remind yourself of who you are. And if you are the mm. president of a federation, you just cannot let yourself go, you know. And I can understand it's a moment of, of ecstasy and a moment of happiness, of pure, sheer joy, but you need to keep your own you need to keep control of yourself and i think that uh, i don't see something uh devious behind all of this but obviously rubiales uh, didn't do well and he should surely should can at least come out and apologize for what he did he can argue that he was in a moment of of pure joy but but he's the president and ultimately he needs to show some sort of restraint which he didn't in in that short kiss in the lips of of Jennifer Hermoso. Yeah, ultimately a bad look. Um, and it should be said as well that Aitana Bonmati and Irene Paredes said that now the investment needs to come, the changes need to come, yeah. uh, everything that they've been fighting for needs to happen. On to the celebrations, Paco. Uh, where did you watch this? What was happening? I was myself in Leganes um, hmm. because there's no big screens in Madrid because it was too hot, frankly. Um, we saw Super Pepino, the, uh, <laughs> the Leganes mascot there. I got, got myself a photo with him. It was terrific fun down there. Really good atmosphere. The, the fire brigade even came down and cooled everyone off uh, with the hose after and at halftime and after the game. So... Yeah, really good atmosphere there, really good fun celebrations. How was things in Valencia, Paco? Well, we did have, as in many other cities in, around the country, plenty of, of massive, huge uh, TV screens uh, in a number of venues. For example, over here in, in Valencia, we had uh, La Fonteta, which is the, the home of Valencia Basket, which uh, can hold up to 8,000 people in attendance, and it was almost full house. Uh, yeah, capacity to you know to watch the game and people celebrating obviously that goal scored by Olga Carmona in the first half and later uh, all of them suffering and you know biting their own nails uh, in the last few minutes of, of the game I myself uh, watched it uh, at home with my baby girl and uh, you know uh, she's only four months but um, I'm pretty much stoked about the fact that she's going to grow in a country uh, which is you know, world champions in in the in the women uh, football uh, discipline, and uh, whereas 30, 40 years ago, uh, other girls had it much more difficult and much tougher the chance to play at elite top level, uh, not only in Spain but you know around the world, in Europe, in the US, things have changed so much in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years. Change was slowly coming around. 
uh, in the last 30, 40 years. Uh, my father, myself, one of, was one back in the day, at the end of the 80s, uh, one of the first uh, regional um, regional uh, uh, managers or of the Valencian um, regional team. And I have lived that since I was little and now I see now things, you know, happening over a TV with uh, 80,000, 90,000 people at Camp Nou in, in Champions League games, uh, Alexia Putellas being two-time Ballon d'Or, uh, all of the players, you know, being uh, the protagonist in a number of TV spots being recognized, uh, you know, TV stars, football stars, signing uh, autographs, uh, taking selfies with with people, uh, all of the games being, you know, on TV, which was massive only 20 years ago, and it's finally happening. And I was very happy for for the little one because I think she's going to have the chance to to grow in such an atmosphere in the following years, and and that is uh, absolutely beautiful for not only for her but obviously for all of the young girls around in in this country. Yeah, it's. it's yeah heartwarming to hear that and also just to to think that hopefully this will have that kind of impact and you mentioned kind of Alexia and the Balones de Oro you mentioned kind of Barcelona Femenino kind of winning the the Champions League this is kind of that ultimate milestone and if anything it's going to drag Spain into mm. the women's game more then hopefully it's this I mean just that kind of again anecdotal experience I found kind of the build-up to this a little bit underwhelming in terms of I mean, the heat, the games are on at kind of weird times for people to be watching football. Yeah. Um, also, again, anecdotally in Madrid, right now everybody has left the city to go to the coast because it's, uh, I mean, it's holiday time in Spain. So, so I think that's been underwhelming. But w what I saw today was kind of a genuinely good atmosphere. People were really engaged. There was very little kind of idiocy. I mean, the kind of comments that, uh, denigrate women's football that seem to pursue it um, so so doggedly there was none of that so so yeah hopefully we do kind of see that kind of um, I, kind I, of I think that it has helped quite a lot the fact that the quality overall of the tournament has been great you know um, I've been watching uh, women football for most of my life you know uh, and I think that the level that we've seen in this in this tournament overall with the performance by Australia, for example, the Matildas have been uh, massive throughout the tournament, even though they weren't able to uh, make it to the final and they finished fourth. Um, I think that the, the way they have played has been has been great and they have helped quite a lot to build up the, the atmosphere, uh, both in the country and also in New Zealand, obviously. But it's also very exciting when you have that home side doing well and making it to the top four because it's also uh, helps the momentum of the of the tournament to just build up and build up and build up to something truly exciting and as I said uh, earlier I think that Spain uh, with that you know with that slip against uh, which is a slip up against uh, Japan because they just weren't their their own selves I think that they had a bad day overall and and you know, the, the, a number of players have stepped up to the plate and obviously the name uh, has to come, uh, you know, in this conversation, Salma Parayuelo. Uh, we're talking about this kid who will be 20 in a couple of days, at the beginning of, of September, I believe. She's going to be 20 next month. And she has already won all three World Cups, under 17, under 20, and obviously with the grown-ups now. She has also won a European Championship and under 17. Um, she has won the championship with Barca. 
she has won La Liga, uh, Liga F with Barca. She could perfectly retire being 19 and she would have, you know, the best resume of 19, better than 99% of the players uh, in world football, you know. And, and Salma was a clutch player in, in the quarterfinals uh, and also a clutch player in the in the semifinal. We had uh, Aitana Bomati bossing the game. I think that she missed like two passes in the whole game. It was something outlandish. The, the the game that Aitana Bomati, which is my top contender for the Ballon d'Or this, this season, uh, overall her tournament has been uh, perfect, outstanding, through and through. Her game in the final was uh, one for the ages because she was, as I said, only two mistakes in the whole game and she was uh, the the player uh, which pulled in most of the of the game and the transitions by by the the Spanish team. Yeah, absolutely. And even Salma, she she used to be a sprinter before she kind of went full time with yeah. football and has won kind I, of youth I remember, I, I actually interviewed her because remember she she's from Zaragoza and uh, back in the day she began playing when she was 15, which is you know I, I it's only five years ago, <laughs> but when when she was 15 she was finally able to play with the first team of uh, Zaragoza Club de Fútbol Femenino, and later she moved on to uh, Villarreal Femenino, and when she did that the way the youth uh, system is is organized over here in Spain, she stops playing playing for the uh, Aragon uh, regional team and she plays for the Valencian one. And once she did that, because she played for Villarreal, once she did that, she was with uh, the, the Selección Valenciana under 17, and I had the chance of interviewing him, uh, her back in the day, I, I believe it was in 2018. And she was already, you know, um, she had ev every single choice open for her. She could be an elite athlete, and because she's one of the fastest individuals in, I would say, in the whole country, and, and she was uh, getting incredible incredible times like we're talking about uh, elite european elite times in in her disciplines or she could choose football but she knew that there was a time eventually where she would have to pick and that time came uh, last season yeah prodigiously talented athlete and footballer and Aitana. yeah i mean i'm not breaking any news but she's definitely my favorite women's footballer she is just liquid to watch it's it's very I mean, she's cites Xavi and Iniesta as her, her kind of idols. Yeah. And Iniesta was one of those players that kind of draws you in and, and, and makes you really just tune in for them precisely. And you get the same thing with Aitana. It's it's almost surreal to see kind of a player that is so kind of similar. Effort, and she's effortless. Player. You can Absolutely. say that she's effortless. The, the, the word, the perfect word is that she does everything in a way, in such a way, which seems very easy. But you only have to, you know, check out the rest of the of her teammates or other players. Or she just does it in an effortless way. And uh, and as you said, I think that the comparison with with Xavi and Iniesta is absolutely spot on. Yeah, and we haven't actually spoken about the game that much. But uh, but the game itself, I mean, Spain. I thought they were dominant. But what really impressed me was the fact that even with those kind of last kind of 10, 20 minutes. They kept attacking, they kept going forward, and if mm. anybody was going to score, it was definitely going to be Spain. I think England kind of ran out of gas a little bit. How did you kind of live it, obviously, with the adrenaline, the added adrenaline of being Spanish? Yeah. I would say that uh, overall, uh, England were outplayed, uh, I would say, f from the first till the 90th minute. And that uh, Lauren Hemp was 
mainly the only one which could or or try to generate some sort of danger in in the right wing uh, a number of times because of the sheer quality that she has. But most of the time you could see uh, you could see that she was very alone. Uh, Spain had a massive chance at the beginning. You might remember Alba Redondo with a strike in the in the far post. You know with nobody under the sticks mostly but uh, you know the finish wasn't really clinical and and um, ultimately Mary Erbs was able to stop it uh, England's keeper was was great throughout the game yeah I, I think because uh, she had that kind of clutch attitude when stopping the the penalty taken by Jenny Hermoso and obviously her reaction was priceless and I think that many Many gifts and, and short really, videos, yeah. have, videos have been making the rounds throughout in the in social media. But yeah, she said someone to just mm, off after uh, making that save. And and I really thought that after uh, stopping that massive <laughs> chance for for Spain, I really thought that England would push forward and, and try at least to get the 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 level and and the draw. But overall, Spain were very solid at the back. Irene Paredes have a, had a great game. And most of it lies within Aitana. You know, as Aitana Omati had most of, of the ball possession and she was ruling the game and bossing what was happening, especially during the when the ball went through the midfield, that deactivated England most of the time because also uh, that uh, hit that Greenwood took on the, on the face uh, which made the game to stop for five, six minutes. And those were more or less the, the best moments of England in the second half after after avoiding the second goal by, by Spain. Overall, they they weren't the same team which beat uh, Australia uh, in the semi-final. I think that they might leave the, the tournament and the final with the, the bittersweet feeling of that they may maybe didn't deliver to the hundred percent, to the fullest in, in in this crucial game, whereas for Spain they, they did their own thing and and deservedly got the win. Absolutely, and uh, Spain expected back about uh, nine ten p.m. Spanish time in Madrid tomorrow, and and hopefully they'll be followed by more celebrations. As you say, just a, a final kind of word on on the World Cup and the World Cup final for Spain. Olga Carmona, it was kind of mm. released after uh, about kind of five, six hours later that her father had passed away during um, the, the course of the day. He didn't give a specific time, obviously, but just uh, I can't even get my head around how you could possibly process yeah. those two things happening at the same time. Winning the World Cup, scoring the winner in the World Cup and losing your father basically at the same time. Yeah, it's actually uh, tragic in a way because uh, actually when she scored the goal, Olga dedicated the the goal to the mother of a friend who had passed away a few days ago, while she remained, you know, absolutely uh, uh, aloof of what had happened over in in Spain. She didn't know that uh, her father had had passed away on Saturday, and her own family had kept the news away from her, so that. He, so that he, she didn't get distracted by the fact that you know her father had died and she didn't mourn his his passing and uh, that obviously you know you lose concentration and, and suddenly football doesn't really seem that important and uh, uh, yeah the the Spanish Federation uh, respected obviously the the decision of the of the family and once the game finished and the celebrations were done and and they were already uh, on their hotel and on their way to the 
to the to packing their things and, and leaving the country uh, the Spanish Federation released uh, the statement late night on on Sunday uh, the outpour of, of love and support for for Olga has been huge you know I would say like nationwide every single club every single football supporter in social media have been uh, you know trying to back the the player who is at this point she's the new Iniesta you know she's a national hero and she's being helped in in her mourning by I would say by the whole country so uh, yeah it's it's those kinds of stories that most of the times just happen on, on, on TV movies and, and in the cinema that you go on from the best day of your life professionally to one of the saddest ones on a, on a personal level so at least from um, from our own you know newsroom and and much love and, and support from us over here at La Liga Lowdown to to Olga Carmona and obviously to her family. Yes, our my and, and all of our hearts out to Olga Carmona and uh, and yeah, um, a, a small sad note to, to end on for that. But uh, but in general, uh, very much happy and feliz that Spain have managed to win their first ever Women's World Cup. When we come back, football doesn't rest as Carlo Ancelotti and Xavi and Pep Guardiola have been saying all week that uh, footballers need to actually stop and, uh, and get come out and say enough is enough but uh, but neither do we as a result so we'll be back with the second half of the show and a full round of La Liga fixtures so don't go anywhere and we will return shortly Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We just saw Kone, who, as Bruno's already told us, is poised to come on. Tony Cross puts the ball into the air. It's a chance for Bellingham. He scored. Real Madrid take the lead. Bellingham makes it three goals in two games. What a start to his Real Madrid career. 
Now Gundogan with space, looks for Pedri, who finds the opening goal, finally. Barca's season is up and running, and it's Pedri who makes the breakthrough. Lovely pass from Gundogan. Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It is match day two in La Liga. We've had eight games, we've got two more to go, Alaves, Sevilla and Granada Rayo on Monday night, but we've had plenty of action. You've just heard Jude Bellingham again, proving that he is that guy, and Pedri, proving that he is the man for Barcelona too. And as if one World Cup win wasn't enough to make Paco happy, Valencia also won. Um, We'll start with Real Madrid and Jude Bellingham, just because I I feel like he is the dominant story in Spain so far. I mean, he's just really, really good at football, isn't he, Paco? Yeah, it seems that uh, he knows what he's doing <laughs> most of the time. But yeah, you know, his, his impact has been uh, immediate in, in Real Madrid. And uh, that happening when uh, Real have suffered so much uh, pain in the last few weeks with the injuries of both Militao and Courtois, with all of the doubts surrounding the, the attacking front after Benzema leaving this summer, uh, you know, most of these doubts are easily cleared away when you have Jude Bellingham scoring left and right with, with three goals in the first two games. And uh, yeah, they got another win. They are leaders of the of the table, even though it wasn't as, as easy as the final score might seem, because actually Almeria did put up a real fight. Yeah, and Ancelotti's new system still working, I think. Um... They did look vulnerable at times, as you say, yeah. in defence. I think Almeria could get at them, and that will perhaps be something that comes to the fore later on. But smooth sailing so far. I think Bellingham, the thing that stands out for me is just the way that Real Madrid are playing for him already. I mean, even Benicius, who should be the star in theory of this Real Madrid side, is happy to cede that kind of star role to Bellingham so far. Again, maybe that comes up later on and it becomes a thing, but... Uh, but Vinicius is playing for him. Tony Kroos looks for him in the box. He is the kind of the main off his play. That's where everyone else moves. So, so yeah, really um, exciting stuff from Bellingham. Moving on to Barcelona, slightly less smooth victory um, against Cardiff. I mean, they, they faced a similar side in the one that they they faced in the week one in terms of Hatafe and a low block, a team that's hard working that will do their best to shut things down, and they did for the most part mm. until Pedri scored that late winner. Paco, your, your thoughts and your take. Yeah, once again, I think that Barca really suffer against the sides who are very, uh, you know, very disciplined and very solid at the back. And especially when you have a star goalkeeper having the game of of the year, like Conan Ledesma, I think that tonight he was uh, absolutely great, almost in 99% of the of the place where he was involved, but he couldn't ultimately uh, avoid the, the defeat of his of his team. Gundogan was was crucial in that assist in the first goal to to Pedri, who you know is back to, I would say he's back to his former self. He's not there yet after the you know the injury suffered last year, uh, well last season. But I think that he'll come around. He'll eventually be the the Pedri that we used to know um, two years ago. Um, and one of the key uh, aspects of, of this player is obviously finishing the, the plays inside the box and, and scoring goals. And, and Pedri, in that sense, he, he got away from, from the game very, very happy. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Yamal there, who started 16 years of age and 38 days, I believe it was, that he's broken Fabrice Alinga's record for Malaga some years ago. And another good performance from Lamin Yamal. He was certainly amongst Barcelona's brightest sparks and, and came off for the first final kind of uh, 15 minutes or so, I think. But but yeah, he, he was, again, very good. You mentioned Conan Ladesma. Ter Stegen came up with another big one-on-one -on -one save against Roger Marti, which is standard for him now, but I, I feel like I just want to give him his props. Um, and, and Cadiz had their chances. Chris Ramos had a good chance as well. Uh, Ruben Alcaraz at the back post nearly kind of, um, or could have turned it in on goal. But, uh, but yeah, Cadiz, I think they'll, they'll take a lot of heart from that. Barcelona, I have a theory on, on why they struggle with these games so much, which I will be uh, putting into written form on Tuesday, so uh, go and subscribe to Substack. And um, there's our there's our shout out there for Substack. The, Make sure. yeah the hook for the for the content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, a little teaser for you. Um, moving on, uh, Atleti nil nil draw with Betis. Not a great deal happened in that. It was, <laughs> it was uh, yeah. Just just ask Monchi about that. He'll he'll definitely give you give you a rundown of uh, Bordisco, but. Uh, Running through the rest of the results, I mean, Mallorca went down at home to Villarreal on Friday night. Gerard Moreno with the winner there. Real Sociedad drew 1-1 with Rafa Benitez-Celta Vigo. Benitez-Celta Vigo getting on the board. Osasuna lost on Saturday night at home to Athletic Club. Oyan Sanset sent off for lashing out against David Garcia. And then another Chimi Avila horror challenge, which uh, really sparked things. But uh, Arasati calming things down by apologising after the match. Um, two goals, one from Guruceta and the other from Iñaki Williams, both assisted by Nico Williams, who was excellent. And then on Sunday, Girona beat Hitafe 3-0 in a very convincing performance, which saw Savio, young Brazilian winger, assist Yangel Herrera, and then a brace from our favourite veteran striker, or maybe just my favourite veteran striker, Kristen Stuani, um, who brought up 50 goals in La Liga for Girona. I've left one game out, and that is Valencia. One, Las Palmas, zero. And that is what you're going to talk about, Paco, because I know that you want to talk about Ruben Baraja's teenage kicks. Well, at least you know that uh, we obviously watch all of the games, but some of them, you watch them with only one eye. Most of them, you watch them with two eyes. And only a few of them, you do watch them with one eye, the other eye, and your whole heart and all of your 100% attention. And in this case, obviously, Valencia are my, my kind of thing. Uh, you know, I have weird tastes uh, every single weekend. And yeah, uh, once again, the, the cheeky Valencia or baby Valencia or, you know, that kind of uh, primary uh, nursery Valencia, whichever fits you best, uh, got the win once again, even though the game wasn't really, you know, my cup of tea. The Overall, the, the game showed two sides which are at this point in August when the uh, physical progress of the of the teams isn't really at the point of uh, endurance that they should have. Way because uh, Las Palmas were very smart to try to snatch the ball as soon as they could and, and dominate ball possession, which they did. Uh, Jonathan Vieira was, uh, you know, bossing the game in the, in the midfield because he had that kind of slowly paced canary style, which is very characteristic and very particular of, of Las Palmas and even Tenerife back in the day, you know, Canarian teams have that kind of slow pace, moving the ball around, always having that kind of two touches on the ball, uh, moving it 
in a very sluggish way, but whenever the ball gets, gets to like three quarters, or as the experts say now, zone three, or which is the you know the offensive side of of the pitch, uh, things speed up very quickly. And and Sandro had a couple of runs in the first half which were quite dangerous. But <laughs> overall, I saw Las Palmas really missing a pure number nine to actually finish the the plays. Uh, they had. Um, I believe a couple of seasons ago, Sergio Araujo, which was uh, great for Las Palmas in Segunda División, but it will work, especially when they play at home, uh, and sometimes it won't work. And at, against Valencia, it didn't work. Why? Because uh, of a crucial, you know, stupid handball inside the inside the box, which was a penalty. Uh, the referee had to uh, check it in the in the VAR. Sergi Canos uh, has been signed from Brentford. Peter Lim took two months to green light a signing which cost Valencia a quarter million euros. You know, 250,000 uh, euros. Has, that has been the, the price of this signing, uh, which is peanuts. But And the player has been waiting two months for the signing to finally be closed, which is rubbish. You know, one of the worst uh, public uh, PR campaigns that a, a team can, ha can have. You have a player who wants to come, the the salary and the fee is super low, and even the player was ready to give the money and pony up the cash by himself instead of waiting longer because he was so desperate to, to play for Valencia because he's from Valencia, he's from Nules, he is homegrown, he has been a Valencianista his whole life, his dream was to play for Valencia. He was ready to pay for the money himself and give up that money from his salary in order to be signed earlier. But uh, to and fro within both players, Baraja was the one to say uh, to Pepelu that he are a perfect example of Valencia are, in my view, overachieving at this point. It's not this is not going to last. This is going to be uh, something, I would say, more uh, a product of the circumstances. For example, Osasuna losing their game. Osasuna have been focusing in their Conference League uh, showdown, which is going to happen in a few days from now. And remember that they are going to play at Mestalla once again. <laughs> you know, Valencia have the chance of, of getting 9 out of 9 the first three games. It should not last. I would be very, very surprised if it does, because, you know, winter will come around, injuries will come around, you know, many things are going to happen, especially in this club. But overall, I think that happiness is the is the overall state of affairs over here in, in yes, the city. Yes, but uh, an impressive start, as you say, for Valencia. And certainly after last season, it, it did look like it was going to go disastrously and it may still go wrong, but uh, a really kind of encouraging start, as you say. We will wrap things up there for the podcast. Um, I'm just going to ask for one final thought. Paco, what was your highlight from the World Cup? Your favourite moment, your favourite thing? Your favorite uh, play at goal can be anything. Just give me one final moment to to end on, and uh, we'll, we'll call it a day there. I would say that uh, the semi-final game between Spain and Sweden, uh, because of just how tight it was during the first half, uh, the sub, you know, being brave and subbing out Alexia Putellas and. Uh, switching her for Salma Parayuelo was a very risky move by by Jorge Vilda, but it worked. Salma scoring the first one, the opener. Later, all of the drama uh, because Sweden were able to to draw the game very very quickly, 
and finally the the you know the ecstasy and the and the explosion of 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 happiness after Olga Carmona scored that uh, amazing strike from outside the box um and the 2-1 uh, score line which ultimately sent Spain to the into the final I, I i say that with the the goal in the final might be more important overall and in an historical level might be more remembered down the road but if i have to pick one moment was that ola carmona goal in the in the semi-final against sweden moments for history and moments for spain to dine out on for some time many thanks for your time paco and uh, make sure you tune in to us on wednesday which you will get if you're subscribed to us and um, drop in subscribe to the to the premium subscription as well we think it's worth it so uh so yeah we'll see you there on wednesday make sure you tune into our written pieces as i say i've got one on tuesday uh, lauren will be bringing us one on wednesday about the women's world cup as well so without further ado i will bid you adios campeons campeones and campeonas and uh yeah felicidades paco thank you so much and uh, felicidades a, a todas sobre todo cheers Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 